my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our theme for this week, our big question... How good was God when he created hell? This week we've been talking, is hell real? Is hell burning now? Is hell forever? And is the devil really in charge of hell? Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. David, welcome to Drive Time. Good afternoon, Gary. It's good to be here again on it another Friday. It is wonderful to have you have you back again. Love that uh, that, that smile of yours, uh, Davis. How has your week been? Look, it's been pretty hectic, but uh, good. I've gotten out for some lunchtime rides uh, last uh, Monday, the public holiday here. Uh, my family and I, we went walking up uh, one of the hills outside of Adelaide, which was really good to get out and saw a koala in a tree and Fantastic. a few kangaroos. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's some wonderful hills. That's one of the things we're richly blessed with, particularly here in the northern suburbs, isn't it? Absolutely, definitely. yeah. yeah. It's also great to have in the studio with us this afternoon, uh, David DeLima. David's the state representative for Family Voice Australia. Welcome to you, David. It's good to be broadcasting with you again, Gary. You, you make a, a wonderful contribution to our um, to our radio ministry each week. Thank you very much. Yeah, David. There is so much happening in the world at the present time. I'm just so caught time. You know this uh, George Floyd issue. Yes. Black Lives Matter. They do indeed and people have been protesting and making that point but it only is correct as far as it goes of course open out on that statement just a little bit there, yes there david it, it's correct only as far as it goes because all lives matter and we speak about black and white but really there's really only one race it's not the black race or the white race there's only one race which is the human race and so if listeners want to look up in their bibles the book of acts and the 17th chapter they'll read there that from one man God has made every nation of men and so it's true that we're all one and we need to stop talking about black and white as somehow distinctive racial types because all lives matter because we're all made in the image of God by him and to be useful to him. That really breaks down the divisions that we find in our society in a really beautiful way doesn't it? It does. Tell me something it does actually bring up another, another subject there. Where has public policy gone wrong because this policing issue mm. has to be tracked back you know particularly in America I'm conscious that this is primarily something that has developed within the American scene mm. where has policy gone wrong yes I think American policing tends to come out of a very strong militaristic kind of uh, approach the uh-huh. sort of cowboys and Indians frontier mentality it seems yeah uh, whereas in Britain the police force uh, the police services to give it its correct title was formed by people who were keen to promote community harmony. Mm. And so the first police officers wore a uniform no different to what a typical gentleman would wear. And while he did have a truncheon, it would be hidden and not exposed. And he would be chosen because he was recognised as someone who had standing in the community, was loved and respected. And they were agents of social enrichment. 
that that's significant that last statement you made i think but just tell me do you think that there's a difference between policing in australia and policing in the american context there is because of that different heritage the frontier mentality is the only description i can give to make the distinction but uh, in australia we are well our eyes are constantly on america mm. and i think we probably got from america the idea of the exposed sidearm i suppose in many ways i um, i feel a little sorry particularly for the uh, police in america because it would have to be a challenging environment whereby uh, weaponry and guns are just so commonly available that any person that you come to may have a concealed weapon on them that's right and so that's the thing which they certainly have to uh, look out for they have to protect themselves uh, but then they themselves are armed to the teeth and as i as i look at this environment i'm just so conscious that uh, hey this has developed to a an almost a no-win situation correct there are now more guns than people mm. in america it's yeah. utterly bizarre yeah. Uh, yeah and so that needs to be addressed uh, the mm. so it's really a question about the heart how do we treat each other and how do we treat authority mm. so our entire culture has lost the christian concept of people being made in the image of god so that if i disagree with you vigorously well we can have a vigorous debate but we would leave it at that i wouldn't plot mm. to kill you uh, mm. but unfortunately the gang warfare that's happening in America is unbelievable. But another issue, of course, is fatherlessness. And it seems to have afflicted the black community, if I can use that phrase, uh, hugely. So many children uh, in the black community, so-called, do not have fathers. And the linkage between a lack of father and all sorts of other problems is very, very clear. Is this more a problem uh, in the the black community than it is in the white community? The problem of fatherlessness is worse in the black community for some reason. Mm. Uh, I think that relates to the unfortunate heritage of the black African people who who came initially to America as slaves. Uh, and when we think about our own indigenous challenge here in Australia, uh, the the disruption to indigenous life, which which occurred at white settlement, uh, is something that the indigenous communities never got over. Mm. Uh, and so it's a very real issue. We uh, we really need a much closer integration between black and white so that we can work together on these problems because these are problems facing all of humanity. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's the point that I particularly appreciate. These are human problems mm. that impact right across the spectrum. They're not Correct. limited to any one particular subgroup or some subclass. Is there any way, do you believe, that we can bring reconciliation between the races? Because I'm conscious that even in Australia, you know, we've been wanting to, you know, to bring together Indigenous and non-Indigenous people, uh, certainly through the last last few decades at least. How can we bring reconciliation yes. between the races? Yes, well, we can start with prayer, because as we pray to God, we commit to Him the problem, and He'll mm. give us the solution. Mm. And the solution uh, is very, very simple. We just need to learn to love each other. Uh, love thy neighbour. Mm. Uh, that command was given because people weren't doing it, yeah. like all the commands in Scripture. Yeah. We need to learn to love our neighbour. Jesus said that we should love each other as He loves us, mm. which means laying down our lives. So serving one another, helping each other, being there for each other, that is the only basis for reconciliation. So really what you're doing here is you're picking up some biblical principles and saying that there is some huge value in what the Scriptures are actually teaching 
teaching as to how we actually relate to each other. Exactly. The only things that we've achieved as human beings have occurred because of the grace of God being poured out to us Mm. as described in Scripture, as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful, David. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate that uh, that input that you've given us uh, today. Uh, I believe uh, we've been richly blessed. Thank you so much, Gary. David, uh, tell us. I, I mean, talking to uh, to David DeLima there, um, do the scriptures, do you think, play a part in this issue of reconciliation? Because we've, we're seeing a, a division in the race races here and that is something that has almost been accepted across the the community generally do the scriptures do you think have some principles that could bring bring the nations together i guess if you look at the disciples jesus had they were a diverse group of people now okay they were galileans but you had a zealot there Mm-hmm. Essentially, perhaps uh, someone that would be a would-be terrorist. Mm. You had a tax collector that was hated. Um, so yeah, he was in. And he was in the pocket of the payroll of Rome. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. So um, Jesus worked with those people. Second uh, Corinthians five tells us that we are to be ambassadors for Christ, and we're actually, in fact, agents of reconciliation. Mm. So. Christianity should have a message of reconciliation, not solely based on one particular ethnicity or another, but rather on the human race, as David has said. Mm, okay. Thank you for that, David. Really do appreciate your, your comment there. Do you know, one of the um, the other, I suppose, uh, areas that I'm so conscious that is just coming into the news media just now as well, and that's the area of the aged. Because, you know, just as... Black individuals matter, uh, just as uh, our our ladies matter, just as our children matter, just as our men matter, just as our white people matter, just as our black people matter. So I'm conscious that our aged also really do matter. Now, just today I actually picked up a uh, an article on the Religion News Service and it said this, as coronavirus restrictions loosen, congregations grapple with including older adults. And this is what they said. Since mid-March, when state shutdowns forced churches, synagogues and mosques to close amid the coronavirus pandemic, uh, Americans, this is referring again to America, have had to rely mostly on online worship services. But one particular church has been able to offer continuous outdoor services, one on Saturday and two on Sundays, with dozens, sometimes hundreds, arriving via golf carts. The only negative is that you don't have much interaction with others in the congregation, said uh, Larry, a 77-year-old. Our golf carts are about six feet apart, and they don't want us to get outside of the golf cart. For many, if not most, Older congruents living in colder climates or with no access to outdoor services, such options are in fact a luxury. And then the article goes on to make this point. Unable to find spiritual sustenance or the comforts of community, many are isolated and lonely. They may struggle with using technology required for viewing online services or connecting virtually with family, friends and community members. Many are incredibly isolated. David, do you think this is an issue that uh, certainly we need to be aware of in our community at this time? Absolutely. Um, With this whole coronavirus 
situation in Australia. There was that period, probably late March, early April, where, you know, if you're over that 60, 65 age, 70 age certainly, that um, it was suggested that grandchildren shouldn't see their grandparents uh, and elderly people shouldn't leave their homes. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing, and we will see significantly in the coming months, I believe, a, a cost that an emotional cost, which will also be an economic cost, of um, the isolation of our elderly people. Mm. This is really a, almost a, a hidden plague, could we say? Definitely, definitely. And, 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 and it'll take some time if it ever goes away fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, our elderly are, are typically, besides our very young, are the most vulnerable. Uh, they're the ones that are, by nature, closest to death. Yeah. Uh, often, many of them are lonely by nature anyway, but this whole coronavirus thing has made that even more extenu- extenuated. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's important that we understand that black lives matter, but I think it's also important that we understand that aged lives matter. That's, in our community. That's exactly right. And we're living in a society now which is polarizing so many different things, yeah. uh, trying to get the next thing up and running, yeah. the next argument. And we need to be careful that we don't try and rewrite history. Mm. Yes, there are things that we shouldn't be proud of that are despicable, mm. and we shouldn't repeat those. Mm. But to actually rid ourselves of history and expunge it from the books, so to speak, yeah. whether it's movies or statues or those sorts of things, we need to be careful. Uh, a couple of years ago when ISIS was running through the Middle East. Um, they destroyed so many museums and, mm. and works of uh, uh, artifacts from thousands of years ago. That's what the ancients did when they won a battle. Mm. They would ex- they, or if they lost, a, they would expunge the history yeah. of what went before. So we shouldn't celebrate wrongs that have occurred and we should seek to make them right. But we shouldn't try and rewrite history. Because we actually need to know what was actually happening in the past, lest we repeat That's what right. was actually happening so, in the so past. I guess instead of saying rewrite history, we shouldn't try and expunge history. Mm, yeah, We don't have to glorify it in parts, clearly. Yeah. No, that's that's a good comment. Thank you so much for that, David. Let's come to some music. This is Rambos, Sheltered in the Arms of God.
you trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. That's a great little magazine. If you really want uh, to go deep into some of these issues, uh, nail that particular magazine. It's really worthwhile. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Our theme for the week has been a warm one for the middle of winter. How good was God when he created hell? This week we've been talking, is hell real? Is it burning now? Is hell forever? And is the devil in charge of hell? Let's put it all together. Uh, David, so far this week we've seen that the Bible speaks of this thing called destruction. Uh, we've seen that hell is not currently burning. We've seen that it, it's a fire that does burn at the, at the end of time, but then only for a, for a short time to, to cleanse the earth and destroy Satan. We've seen that hell is actually created for Satan uh, rather than for humanity. But David, how does even destruction, how does this fit the character of God? Because God in the scripture is presented as a loving God. Is there anything within this biblical teaching that talks, that really gives us a, an even better understanding of the character of God? Yeah, look, Gary, this is a, a really important topic, and I'm so glad you've um, touched on this and, and covering it this week. It, it's a powerful topic, too, one that has caused so much uh, dilemma, so much angst, and reviling Christianity, and I'm sure you've covered that earlier this week. But uh, let's make one thing clear. This topic is misunderstood in such an incredible way in Christendom, mm. and uh Christianity, sadly, has taken on board pagan concepts from Egypt adopted by Greek, uh, Greek culture and Greek philosophy that have then come through um, uh, Roman paganism into the Christian church centuries, millennia ago, and now it is still in the Christian church. Mm. And Satan wants to diminish who God is, and he will do that by um, besmirching his character. He'll do that by saying that God is not a loving God. Mm. He'll do that by saying that God is waiting there with a stick ready to hit you and um, catch you up when you fall, and you'll be doomed and burnt forever and ever. In fact, so, David, this understanding of the character of God is probably... Uh, the essential teaching in Scripture, isn't it? Because once a person understands, if a, if a child understands the character of their father or their mother, um, they know how they're likely to respond in certain circumstances. And this is, is so key to understanding uh, what the Scriptures actually teach on this subject. And Satan has maligned God's character right from the beginning in the mm. Garden of Eden. And, and we know from Scripture, we've got insights, that in heaven Satan was called Lucifer, this, this beautiful angel, perfect angel, until sin was found in him, jealousy and pride. A and he drew a third of the angels from heaven with him. So he deceived and used deception. He did that with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So we need to know God's character. And First uh, John chapter 4, verse 8 makes it, 
very clear that he who does not love does not know God because God is love. So God's very substance, who he is, his character is love. So then we come to this question, well, how can then a a God that is love allow people to die? And that's a very... It's a powerful it's question, a powerful isn't it? Question. Yeah. And so briefly, and I'll say briefly, I'll endeavor to try and answer that. One of my favorite passages is Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 10. It's a powerful book. And the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Now listen to this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So all of humanity are enemies, if you like, or have made themselves enemies of God because we have uh, sinned, we've fallen short of God's glory, and we've chosen to sin Mm. and repeatedly sin. So we're at war, if you like, with righteousness. We're sinners. Mm -hmm. And... We deserve to die because of that. Yeah, and uh, if God, if if God had not personally interposed at that point, we would have been what Scripture calls eternally lost. There wouldn't have been any possibility for redemption unless Christ Himself had actually come to interpose. Exactly. So while we were yet enemies, while we were yet sinners, mm. Christ died for us. Yeah. Now, did Jesus just die for the good people? No, absolutely not. not. Because no one is good, the Bible says. So Jesus died for the entire human race, uh, for old lives matter, for black lives matter, for you name it, whatever lives, he died for the entire human race. His death is sufficient and his sacrifice and his gift of salvation is sufficient for all of humanity. Yeah. And yet it is only um, uh, useful It only has merit for those who choose to accept it. Mm -hmm. So Jesus went through, uh, and we'll talk about this later, what the Bible calls the second death, if you like, an almost eternal death, separation from God, which results in eternal death. He did that for the entire humanity. Mm. But it only becomes useful and valid and applicable, if you like, once we accept it. So how can a good God allow people to die? Well, Jesus died. For everyone. And yet so many people have refused and will refuse to accept what Jesus did. And so God has to say, well, my heart breaks. It's it's interesting that the book of Romans talks about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And, of course, you know, wages is something that comes to me and not because – because I have, um, I'm being given it, but rather because this is something that I have earned. This is something that I deserve. When I work, I'm paid wages. I deserve my wages. We've worked hard for death. We, we've worked. We have been. We have worked hard for death, and exactly. that's what we deserve. Exactly. And yet Jesus took the curse for us. It's interesting in the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, chapter thirty-three, verse eleven, tells us about the character of God. It says, "Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked." 
Now, this is critical because Satan would suggest with this unbiblical teaching of hell, which has pervaded Christendom like a virus. Satan would say that God takes great pleasure, and there have been countless sermons, particularly a couple of hundred years ago, when um, the preaching on hell was used as a tool to get people into the church. It was certainly incredibly descriptive um, preaching, wasn't it? Absolutely. Vivid pictures were painted Mm. of children suffering and burning in hell eternally. Mm. And Mm. those sermons, many of them stated that God took delight in this. Exactly. But here we find that God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And then God, almost like a parent calling to their child, turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Yeah. Yeah. God wants no one to perish. In fact, in in Second Peter chapter two, uh, chapter three, we find that um, in verse nine it says there that um, God is long suffering toward us, not willing that, that any, any should, should perish, perish. Yeah. but that all should come to repentance. But then there's this balance. Mm. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Heat, both the earth and the works in it will be burned up. Mm. So I hope we've painted a bit of a picture that God is love. I, I think one of the things, that passage you've just read there, you know, that the heavens and the things that are in them will be burned up. Are we talking about a fiery place? Yes. Yes, we are. Are we talking it burning now? No. No. We're talking about at the end of time, something, the earth, according to that passage, is going to be burnt up. Where do we see the love of God in that? Okay, uh, good question. Let me first just add to what you've have said, and that is this. Hell is not a place, and you've said that. Hell is an actual event. So mm-hmm. hell is not a place, it's an event. So your question, Gary, again, if you would. Um. <laughs> your question was... How can um, God destroy people and it be uh, – how can God allow people to die and it be good? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is good. It's live how, radio. How does a, how does a good God um, allow even the destruction at the end of time? What's good about that? Yeah, well, we need to understand in Isaiah chapter 28 verse 21, uh, the prophet there talks about God's judgment and he talks about God's judgment. This is in the King James Version. It says, For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be wroth as in the Valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, and it says, his strange work, mm. and bring to pass his act, his strange act. So this work of judgment and the work of the destruction of the wicked is something that is not normal. It, it is strange for God to do. Mm. So let's suggest it, this. It, is it possible, and I know I'm breaking in here and I shouldn't, is it possible that what we actually get here is we have a, a God who is wanting to get rid of something that is hurtful? Well, if I've, I'm just thinking about this on the spot. If uh, my backyard was full of um, dangerous venomous snakes um, and I had young children, I would want to uh, remove those snakes to protect my children. Yeah. Now, sin has infected all of humanity. It has. The wages of sin is death. But what pain has it brought on humanity? Well, how many funerals have you been to? How many family members have you lost? Um, uh, 
Revelation 21, and I'd like to finish on this. So I won't go there now, but it gives us a picture of what won't be present in the new earth once the fires of hellfire have done their work. So God in his mercy brings sin to an end. He has to bring sin to an end because how can he be a loving God and allow sin to perpetuate eternally? And I think this is really key, David, because what we've actually got here is a God who is saying, I feel the pain of all that adultery that's happening out there, all those relationship breakups. I feel the pain of all those murders. I feel the pain of all that anger that's there. I feel all that pain, and it comes because of sin, and I have to deal with sin. It is so important for me that I deal with sin, that sin is obliterated, because only in obliterating sin do I get rid of the pain, the heartache, and the suffering that's actually there. You know, I'm that. I see a good God. Absolutely. And and the Apostle Paul in Corinthians says that death is the last enemy to be defeated. Now, mm. now sin results in death. God doesn't want anyone to perish, and yet he allows the wicked who fail to choose him. In fact, they say, essentially they're saying, we don't want to be with you, God. Mm. And that breaks God's heart. But when we cut ourselves off from God, it ends up in death. And so God will uh, cleanse the earth of sin. It ends up in death That's certainly the case, but I think some of the times, one of the things that sometimes we overlook is that death, while it is at the end, there is pain, suffering, heartache and disease on the way to death. And what God is actually wanting to do is to cut off the pain, the heartache, the suffering and the disease that so many I know that I have ministered to have really felt. And you're right, it journeys with us throughout the course of life and it, it demonstrates itself in various guises. But it's with us the whole time. Yeah. And a good God says, hey, I want to be gone. with. I want that to be totally gone. I want it out of this place. I never want to see it again. Well, isn't that what God said to Adam and Eve in the garden yeah. in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17? He said, in the day you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Yeah. You've chosen to remove yourself from God. It will end in death. And the Christian church, by and large, teaches that when you die, you continue to exist in another form with your soul or your immortal spirit. And that creates a huge problem. Yeah, because what you've actually got is a God who has not done away with sinners. He hasn't done away with sin. Rather, they are allowed to perpetu- be perpetuated even though that is in another form. Well, the Bible says only God is immortal. Yeah. And yet... If sin and sinners uh, continue to exist in a place called hell, burning forever, now what purpose would that be? But burning forever, sin is being immortalized Indeed. forever. Indeed. And how could you or how could I enjoy paradise yeah. knowing that uh, there is smoke over in there in some corner, maybe a close postcode? That is burning forever, and uh, and our loved ones or friends or, or are suffering in excruciating pain forever. Yeah. That doesn't fit with the Bible picture. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But David, look, well, I, I've I've digressed. I've I've moved you away from your central point, and I'm really sorry about that. I will stop doing this. Um, please carry on. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to think what that main point was. Um, so. Let's look at Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. And it gives us a beautiful picture, again, of what 
beautiful, if you like, that sin will be done away with, mm. uh, but it's painful all the same. Malachi chapter 4 verse 1 says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. In verse 3, he says, You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. So we don't have a picture in Scripture of uh, the wicked um, continuing to suffer eternally um, and excruciating pain. In, in fact, the, the pictures we get uh, and the is that there will be ashes. There will be nothing left. And essentially that's what fire does. Yeah. The purpose of fire is to devour and to consume, not to preserve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and with that you find pain and heartache, suffering and disease suddenly become no more because what you have actually got is the scriptures talk about this mortal, those who are saved and go to the kingdom, this mortal will put on immortality, this corruptible will put on incorruption. And you know, to me, Dave, that's a very beautiful picture because what it means is that uh, God is wanting to do something. He is wanting to, and we're going to come to this in just a moment, there's a, there's a recreation that actually takes place here. And to me, that's the thing that is so beautiful here. This is the goodness of God. It is. So how can you have uh, the mortal putting immortality, the corruptible putting on incorruption, while a few blocks away, you've got a postcode there with a, a tip, if you like, called yeah. hell, that is perpetuating sin and sinners forever. It doesn't fit the character of God, does it? Absolutely not. It doesn't. And and what's not only does it not fit the character of God, it actually doesn't fit the, the teaching of Scripture. And to me, uh, that is an important revelation for us today. Definitely. And it comes back to um, those first lies told to Eve. Yeah. Did God really say that you couldn't eat of the yeah. fruit? Yeah. Uh, you you will not surely die, he says. Instead, you will be like God. Yeah. What a God we actually serve. David, let's come to some music. I, I love Anna Weatherup. Uh, this is a song uh, at the cross because that's where it all happened. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Did my sovereign die? Would he that secret head Someone such as I At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light The burden of my heart rolled away And it was there by faith I received my sight
you trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Our big question for this week, how good was God when he was created when he created hell. And David, really appreciate what you're actually sharing with us. You know, to me, to actually see some good news in the subject is actually so important because so many people within the Christian world have actually abandoned Christianity because of this particular belief. I can think of uh, person after person who says, I don't want to serve a God like that. And look, Gary, there's been some significant theologians uh, like John Stott, for instance, uh, of other denominations that have actually looked at this picture of an eternally burning hell and a God like this, and they say, no, this doesn't fit. And yet their denominations can't follow them because they believe in an immortal spirit or soul that you have. And if you believe that the soul or spirit cannot perish, that it's eternal, then if you're wicked, that wicked immortal soul or spirit has to keep continuing. Therefore, you need a hell that's going to punish them forever and ever and ever. So it puts God, pushes God into a corner. So look, let's look at um, why people aren't in hell now. In in, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 39 to 42, we have this parable of the wheat and the tares. Mm. And uh, Jesus says the enemy, in verse 39, who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angel. So this harvest happens at the end of the age, not Mm. now. And it says there, therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So no one is in hell now. That's important. The good and the wicked, those who have accepted Jesus and those who have chosen not to, are resting in an unconscious sleep, death, in the grave. And that's that's certainly what John chapter 5 says, isn't it? Absolutely. Verses 28 to 30. So no one is suffering now. Now, that's critically important because if people went to hell, if they're wicked upon death, then just say I'd spent my whole lifetime doing some pretty average sorts of things, but I deserve to die, deserve to be in hell. Well, if I lived 5,000 years ago, I've been in hell for 5,000 years. Suffering... Uh, 5,000 years for only one lifetime, 70, 80, 90 years, one lifetime of wickedness. And yet I've suffered for 5,000 years. Now, if you died today, Gary, and you were just as wicked as me. You'd be saying, hey, is that really fair? Yeah, why are you getting less for the same things? Exactly, exactly. And, and, just, and, and the only crime you've done is you've been born earlier than somebody else. God gets no joy. He gets no pleasure out of the death of the wicked, as we've said. So the wicked will be destroyed in what is called the lake of fire. Now, that's what we call the the fires of hell, hellfire. And Revelation 20, verses uh, 9 and 10, say that fire, says that fire falls from heaven, out of of heaven, and And destroys destroys the wicked. And so the earth... Second um, Peter 3 says, will be consumed in fire. Mm-hmm. It will be cleansed by fire. So 
Hell is not a place, it's an event to cleanse the earth of sin and sinners. And sinners will sadly be destroyed because God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked in what the Bible refers to as the second death. And um, we find a few references to that in Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. John is writing to the seven churches and he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So those who live their life with Jesus will not be hurt by the second death. However, Revelation 21.8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire, that's the hell fires, mm-hmm. and brimstone, which is the second death. Mm. Um, Revelation 20.14, the death, Then death and Hades, death and the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And this concept of the second death is actually so important that we do actually understand what's actually taking place there. Now, Jesus, when he died for all of humanity, he died the second death. He did. He did. We don't have to die that, as Revelation 2 verse 11 said, when we're living in a life relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. We might die once because of sin, like old age or sickness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or tragedy. We might die once if Jesus doesn't come back. But we don't have to die a second time. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's a very beautiful thought, isn't it? You know, uh, when uh, uh, when when we bury someone, they, they often uh, uh, say "R.I.P. Rest in peace." Mm. And you know, that's in fact exactly what is occurring. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly—they are resting in peace. The Bible says they know nothing. They know nothing at this at this point in time until the day of the resurrection. Yes. And at the resurrection, you suddenly get a change taking place and those who have accepted Christ, hey, there's a future life. Mm. But then there's this thing called the second death. No waking up from the second death. Yeah. It's for those who have rejected Jesus and without God there is no life. And so um the consequences of rejecting Jesus are eternal. Mm. Mm. But the fires, the hell fires, are not eternal. Once people are destroyed by fire, they're dead forever. The consequences yeah. are eternal, not the event. Yeah, I think, and that is so important. You know, consequences, not the event. And David, tell us though, what happens after this hellfire? What's the point of the hellfire? I mean, does do the scriptures tell us anything about what happens next? Absolutely. It's interesting. In Genesis, when God created everything, God's a creator, not a destroyer. Mm. Let's remember that, right? He's a creator, God. Yeah, yeah. When God created the earth, he said everything was good. Yeah. Sin came in and, and destroyed that, marred that. Jesus came, he lived, he died. There's a high point. We're still suffering until Jesus comes back. But he wants to make all things good and all yeah. things new again. Yeah. So we get to that second last chapter of the Bible. It's interesting. The second chapter of the Bible in Genesis, it is, things are still pristine and perfect. <laughs> we get to the second last chapter of the Bible in Revelation. Everything again is pristine and perfect. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it, this? You know, I mean, it, it almost envelopes the entire Bible. It, it's beautiful. And so we go to Revelation chapter 21, and it says, Now I saw a new heaven, verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So God wants to do away with sin, which happens in chapter 20. Mm-hmm. He wants to do away with sin. That's the hellfires in chapter 20. And then he wants to make all things new. 
And John, in vision, this aged prophet on the Isle of Patmos, he sees a holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God to this earth. The earth then is made new, perfect, just like it was in the first and second chapters of Genesis. But to me, Gary, these key verses that probably sum up our talk today, the positive side of this, if you like, is this. Revelation 21, um, and I'll read from verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. So God can live with us again because there is no more sin, okay? God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4, I love these verses. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So what are the former things? The former things are sorrow, crying, tears, and death. That's all sin, isn't it? That's all sin. That's the result of sin. That's the result of sin. And so all of those things are the former things have passed away. So how can you still have a hell burning somewhere with people suffering? If the former things have passed away. And Gary, what I love about this passage is this. John is on the Isle of Patmos. He gets this vision of how wonderful the new earth will be like. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but if you had a vision 60 years ago of an iPhone and what it could do in the Internet, how would you go about putting that on paper? Yeah, it's it would be challenging, wouldn't it? You'd struggle yeah. because no one would understand what you're mm. talking about, mm. right? Mm. They wouldn't understand what Wi-Fi is mm. or an iPhone. Mm. However, John, 2,000 years ago, gets this vision of a new heaven and a new earth with no sin, no sickness, no yeah. crying, no yeah. mourning, no death. Yeah. And he has to describe how wonderful it is. How does he do it? He does it by painting a picture that everyone can relate to. He paints a picture of what will be absent in the new earth. And all of those things that are absent on this new earth are the things we're used to, the things that we suffer with, and they'll be gone. In other words, what we've got here is a a cleansing fire has actually taken place. The fire, if you like, of, of hell is actually good news because it becomes a cleansing fire and the things like pain and suffering and heartache and disease, they are the things that are burned up and the only reason that sinners are burned up is because they are infected with a disease that a remedy was offered for. And remember in Ezekiel we read that God pleads, turn, turn from your evil ways. Yeah, yeah. And we've given a promise in the book of Nahum that sin, chapter 1, sin will not rise its ugly head again. Yeah. This will be the end of sin and sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Let's come to, to a song. I, I love this. This is Heritage. The song is No More Night. That's what we're going to be saying. Please enjoy.
saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with, with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. David, just tell us, if a person wants all these things, how do they do it? I think of Peter there on the sea walking to Jesus and the waves get big and he begins to fall down in the waves and he calls out and he says, Lord, Save me, Lord, help me. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And Ezekiel thirty three eleven again that we read, God says, turn, turn from your wicked ways. Why? It's calling out to God. God, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I deserve to die. Thank you that you've died for me. I want to accept what you've done. Change me. Yeah. Uh, take me on a journey, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, pray for us. Dear Father, we just want to thank you for this picture of hell. You don't want anyone to perish, so we don't celebrate death per se in that sense. But we celebrate there will be a time when sin, sickness, sinners, death, sorrow and mourning will be no more. We thank you that you have done everything, Lord. And Father, we just want to uh, write your character. We want your character be, to be righted, not, not put down by the devil. You're a loving God, a merciful God, and hell and sin will, will be no more. We look forward to that day, Lord. Be with those people listening. May they choose you and invite you into their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow uh, when we dig into another subject. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.